We are in 1 Samuel chapter 15. If you're new with us this morning, we're just working our way through the Bible, and we're looking at the first king of Israel. Um, his name is Saul. And he started out as a good king. But that did not last very long. And today we get to see, sadly, his decline and God saying, you're out. Some people have asked me, you know, God knows everything, right, Steve? Yes. So why would he pick a man for king that he knew was going to mess up? And my response is real simple. He said, well, if God is only going to pick people to work with who are good and perfect, how long is the list going to be? And don't you think, from your experience with God, that God is the God who likes to give people chances? He lets them mess up. What kind of God, parent, father, boss, friend would you be if you didn't give somebody a chance ahead of time? Oh, you judging me before I mess up? No, I give you every opportunity to succeed. I will bless you. I will give you a prophet. I will give you the Holy Spirit. I will give you everything. And yet still, Saul chose to turn his back on God. He started well. I mean, he was humble. Here's what the Bible says. Um, Samuel the prophet went to Saul and said, you're going to be anointed king, and then we're going to do a public ceremony too. So I'll anoint you now. You meet me over here. We'll do a public ceremony. At the public ceremony, they went looking for Saul, and nobody could find him. And God had a whisper and say, he's hiding behind the stuff. So this guy, who is chosen king of Israel, he was so timid, so humble, he didn't want the public attention. He just said, you know, come on, leave me alone. But he was obedient to God. And he became king, even though he didn't want to. So he started well. He was humble. He was brave. I don't mean with that standing up in front of people. I mean, when God told him to go to war, he went to war. And he had an amazing victory over the Philistines. So he was humble. He was brave. He was obedient to God. God said, go. He went. God said, be king. He said, I'll be king. He was humble. He was brave. He was obedient. And he was honorable. If you remember, after that victory over the bad guys, those who didn't want him to be their king, the other said, let's go execute him for treason. And, and he said, no, 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 no. Let's not do that. So he was humble. He was brave. He was obedient. He was honorable. He was a good man. But something happened. Somehow he went south. Here's the story. Here's what happened. This is what the Lord Almighty says. I will punish the Amalekites for what they did to Israel when they waylaid them as they came up from Egypt. All right, when the children of Israel were leaving Egypt, they were strung out. I mean, there's millions of them. In the front are the strongest people who can walk the fastest, usually the youth, the warriors, you know, the tough guys. They're out front leading the way. And as you get towards the end, you got the sick people, the weak people, the old people, the little children, the mothers nursing, slower people. The Amalekites were so wicked, they waited until Israel passed, and they came and attacked the back end. They attacked the old people, the sick people, the children, the women. God said, uh-uh, you're not getting away with that. So he said, Saul, now's the time. Go get those Amalekites. Go attack the Amalekites and totally destroy everything that belongs to them. One of the things I found interesting about this is this is way after Moses. Why didn't God destroy the Amalekites then? I don't know. 
but I'm thankful that God often defers his judgment. If God did not defer his judgment, where would we be as a nation today? There are things going on in our nation right now that are not pretty, and yet God hasn't judged us. Look at what's going on in the Middle East. Not pretty, but God defers his judgment. So it's good. God is merciful. He's gracious. He puts it off. And if we as a nation will repent and get right with God, he'll put it off indefinitely. But for that generation who is as bad as bad gets, then God brings it home. And that's probably what happened here. So God told them, go attack the Amalekites, totally destroy everything. Everything that breathes, that means cattle, people, everything. Verse 9, but Saul and the army spared Agag, that's the king, and the best of the sheep and the cattle. Everything that was good, these they were unwilling to destroy completely. But everything that was despised and weak, that's what they were willing to destroy. So God says destroy everything. They go in and they say, okay, separate the good sheep from the ugly mangy sheep. We'll kill all the mangy ones. We'll keep the king alive. The word of the Lord came to Samuel. Remember, that's Saul's prophet. I'm grieved that I made Saul king because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. We'll talk more about this in a few minutes, but I need to put it in your brain now because it's important. Listen to what it says. He has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. God equates turning away from him with disobeying him. From God's perspective, you disobey, you turn away. And he's grieved. When Samuel reached Saul, Saul said, The Lord bless you, Samuel. I've done everything the Lord wanted me to do. And Samuel, you can imagine the look on his face. Then why do I hear a bunch of sheep bleeding? What are the cows I hear? You didn't do what the Lord told you to do. Well, the soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. I'm in verse 15. They spared the best of the sheep and the cattle to sacrifice to the Lord your God. But we totally destroyed the rest. Stop, Samuel says. Let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Tell me, Saul said. Although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you as king over Israel, and he sent you on a mission. He said, go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites. Make war on them until you've wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. For rebellion is like the sin of divination or witchcraft, and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. Aha! Saul was doing great. I told you, he started off well. He was humble, this, that, and the next thing. But he fell. I don't know why. Arrogance. Pride. That's why. He was such a humble man. Now I'm Mr. Big Shot King of Israel. I got money, I got power, I got whatever I want. I beat up the bad guys, everybody needs me, everybody does what I say. Went to his head. 
I'm telling you, man, pride will kill you dead. Pride is like the foundational sin. You can think of almost any sin, and it's built on the foundation of pride. And it's sad because pride is like a blinder. Pride doesn't let you see your own sin. So not only is it the foundational sin, but it's the sin that keeps you blind to your own sin. You just can't admit you're bad, you've done wrong, you've turned from God, it's your fault. Can't admit that. Why can't you admit that? Pride. So there's where he went south. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. Until that day, verse 35, Samuel died. Until the day Samuel died, he did not go see Saul again. Though Samuel mourned for him, and the Lord was grieved that he had made Saul king over Israel. You know, the sin of Saul grieved God. And it grieved Samuel. Samuel loved Saul. He was his protege, his friend. But Saul turned his back on God, and he could no longer fellowship with him. And it hurt him till his dying day. I bet some of you have had friends like that. Friends that you loved deeply, and they either turned their backs on God and didn't want to have anything to do with you, or you knew you couldn't hang out with them anymore because they were bad news. I had a buddy like that. We both came to Christ together, at least I thought we did. But I was going to the right, and he was going to the left. Somehow he thought being with Jesus and getting high was both okay at the same time. And I told him, it's not. And we just didn't enjoy each other's company anymore. I was too holier than thou, and he was too hypocritical. And we went our separate ways. Got a phone call. I'm sorry to tell you, but your friend Jimmy was murdered this week in a drug deal gone bad. Oh, boy, was he with the Lord? Is he not with the Lord? I don't know what his heart was. Pastor said he had repented toward the end there, and I just hope to God he really was repentant. But this is what happened with Saul and Samuel. Samuel loved this man, but Saul was going away from God, and Samuel was going to have nothing to do with that. But it grieved his heart. I had dreams about my friend Jimmy for decades. I missed him. I grieved for his loss, not only as a friend, but his faith spiraling out of control. Dreamed about the man for years. He was my soul brother. So when I hear about Samuel's loss, I grieve for him. Saul started well, but because of pride, he went from being humble to becoming proud. Remember, this was the guy who hood, hid behind the stuff. After this victory, he goes and he builds a monument to himself. Now, who does that? It's enough if somebody says, hey, we want to honor you. And you're like, no, no, I'm I just doing my duty. But this guy's like, hey, I'm going to build a monument to myself because I'm so wonderful. <laughs> it's pathetic, pitiful. He was brave when he was humble. But when he got arrogant, he became cowardly. Remember last week? He was hiding in bushes and caves, afraid of the Amalekites, till his son Jonathan had to show him what true faith was. Pathetic. He went from humble to arrogant. He went from brave to cowardly, from obedient to disobedient. You've seen, you saw what he just did. And he went from a man of honor to a man of no honor. I mean, just the opposite. He went dishonorable. As we're going to see in later chapters, uh, David becomes king. You know that, and we're going to read about that. David becomes 
the anointed king, but he doesn't get the throne right away. God's giving Saul some time. Well, Saul knows David becomes anointed. He goes after David to try to kill him, sends armies after him several times. The man totally loses his honor. The man totally loses his mind, and literally and figuratively, and we'll see that next week. So here's what Samuel said to him. It is better to obey him than to sacrifice. Rebellion against him is as bad as witchcraft, and because you've rejected the Lord's command, he has rejected you as king. So because he rejected him as king, he then sent Samuel to another guy to anoint him as king. That's King David. And this is what the Lord said about David. I'm in Acts 13. After removing Saul, he made David their king. He testified concerning him. Listen to this. These are God's words. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Out of everything God could have said about David, he says he's got my heart and he will do what I want him to do. See, that was Saul's number one problem. I told you it was built on pride. I understand that. But his problem was disobedience. God told him exactly what to do, and he would not do it. This is what I want to send you home with today. Faith without obedience is meaningless. It's meaningless. Faith without actions is dead. The Bible says this, it is by our actions that we are put right with God and not by our faith alone. We can't just talk the talk, people. We've got to also walk the walk. So there... Hello. Yeah, this is Mike. No, 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 I'm okay. I can talk are you really on the phone in church? Oh, hold on a second. That's uh, pretty rude, Mike. I'm sorry, Pastor. Would you please get off the phone? Yeah, I'll get off the phone. Thank you. Some hey, people. No, 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 yeah. No, it's cool. Stop it. I kind of meant today, Mike. Nope. I meant like now so I can finish my lesson. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. All right, man. No biggie. Just, just please turn off the phone and don't let that happen again, all right? You know, we put up these slides. Stop. No, no, that was just my pastor. It's okay, though. So, no. Hey, Mike. Could you please get off the phone? I'm so sorry. I mean, it is church. I'm sorry. I will get off the phone. Thank you. I appreciate that. Every service. What's the... <laughs> No, no, no. Yeah, I'll be there. Of course. Oh. I have seen lots of people who do that, not in such a funny way. But you tell them to do something. You've got full authority to tell them. They know you do. They tell you they'll do it, and they don't. But they give you this, oh, I'm so sorry, I didn't really mean it. And they turn around and they still do it. How many times do you let people get away with that nonsense? God is gracious. We've got to be gracious to, too. I'll win brownie points for graciousness, but people like that are not winning any brownie points with God. Faith without actions is dead. What good is something that's dead 
It's no good. That's the point. Faith without works is dead. So Jesus told this parable. He said, a man had two sons. And he goes up to his older son and says, son, would you please go work in the vineyard today? And the older son says, no, I don't think I will. But a little later, he felt bad, and he changed his mind, and he just went and he worked in the vineyard. But he also had a younger son, and he went to the younger son, too. And he said, son, would you go work in my vineyard today? And the younger son said, yes, dad, I will. But he never went. Which one did what his father wanted him to do? Obviously, the first son. The one who said he wouldn't. Which one is Jesus' friend, the father's friend? The one who said he wouldn't. Because when all said and done, he did. But the son who was so sweet and obedient and will do anything dad says, didn't do it. And that's the end of the parable. It's like, what are you trying to say, Jesus? You know exactly what he's trying to say. Be like the son who does, not the son who says. Be the one who walks the walk and doesn't just talk the talk. Here's what the Lord said to Saul. I am grieved that I've made Saul king because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. Disobeying God is the same thing as turning away from God. I don't want to hurt you, but if you're brave enough to answer this question with raising your hand, how many of you have ever disobeyed God? Disobeying the God is the same thing as rejecting God. So what makes us any different than Saul? I'll tell you what makes us different than Saul. Saul never repented. God knows who we are. He knows what we are. We mess up. But are you going to be like Saul? Are you going to accept that and let your arrogance keep you there? Or are you going to come humbly before the Father and say, Lord, I told you I was going to go work in the vineyard, and I didn't. I feel so bad. I will, I will work in the vineyard now. I'm, going, I'm on my way. Make it right with God. Apologize. Not like the guy on the phone who says, I'm so sorry, and stays on the phone. But the guy who really means what he says and says what he means. Walk the walk. Don't just talk the talk because faith without actions is dead. The Bible says this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Saul never did that. He's like, oh, I did exactly what the Lord said. I just kept the nice ones for, uh, um, uh, for, for a sacrifice. That's what I did. Uh huh. God said, destroy it all. You didn't. End of conversation. No smoke. That's it. The Bible says Christ died for our sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. That if we confess with our mouths the Lord Jesus and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. We are all like Saul. The question is, are we going to stay there? That's the question. And only you can answer that question. My encouragement to you this morning is to give your life fully and completely without compromise to Jesus Christ. Without compromise. And should the day come where you slip, get up again, apologize, and keep moving forward. Please join me in prayer. Lord God, our spirits are willing, but our flesh is weak. So I pray 
that you would fill each and every one of us with your Holy Spirit. When you filled Saul, he was a mighty warrior. Fill us that we might be a mighty servant, that we might do your work and do your will every day for the rest of our lives. God, don't let pride keep us from seeing the truth about ourselves. Help us to be more than talkers and hearers, but help us to be doers. Show us what it means and help us to do it. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In a few minutes, uh, after Jamie sings, a couple things are going to happen. First, we're going to have some prayer counselors over there in that room. If you want to rededicate your life to Christ, or maybe you just got some issues you want somebody to hear and pray with you about, that's what they'll be over there for. But if you are 18 years of old or older and a man, I, I want your attention for about three minutes, right after church, right over here by the American flag. Okay, so when Jamie finishes, those of you who want prayer, go over there. Men 18 and older, meet me over here. Really, about three minutes is all I need. And then you'll be dismissed to go to the potluck behind the sanctuary. All right, we tried this last month. It went over really well. I'm going to try it once a month, just getting the guys together for a kind of a, a guy huddle, a man huddle. And we're the leaders in the community. We're the leaders in our family. You know, if we can get our acts together, our nation will be fine. It's us, all right? So today's lesson was not just talking the talk, but walking the walk. Doing the Christian life, not just saying the Christian life. So I went and got a screwdriver for everybody. Now I know you all probably have five screwdrivers. I don't care. You're taking home a screwdriver. Put it in your car, put it in your pocket, wherever you hang out. Because for the, from this Sunday till Sunday of next month, I want you to remember to do something for the Lord. Now, doing something actually might mean taking your screwdriver, going to the little old lady's house who's a widow, and fixing something for her, going shopping for her. It might be helping Randy in Awana. It's doing something for the Lord. Step out of your comfort zone. Just remember to do something. So I got screwdrivers for everybody. Grab one, take along. Keep it where you'll see it. And go out and do something. Now. Go ahead and stop those screwdrivers for a minute. They'll pass around in just a second. Let's huddle in real quick. Quick prayer. Let me send you off with God's blessing. Come on in, guys. Father, we know you have called us to be men and to be leaders. And sometimes we're weak. Make us strong. Help us to be like Saul before he fell. Help us to walk the walk and talk the talk. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hands in, guys. On three. Bring it in for Jesus. On three is Jesus. You ready? One, two, three. Jesus! All right, go give him heck, guys. Go give him heaven. <laughs>